Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. It's Wall Builders. We're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. Thanks so much for being a part of that. Check it out at wallbuilderslive.com. That's the place where you can donate once or, or monthly. You can uh, you can share programs. There's lots of ways you can come alongside us. Lock Shields with us. Help us get the truth out there. The more people that get a hold of these truths, the more likely we save this country, the more likely we restore this constitutional republic, and you can be a part of all of that by visiting our websites today, wallbuilders.com and wallbuilderslive.com. Uh, we've got a couple of guests that are going to be on the program today. Specifically, uh, these are these are celebrating election victories. And I know it was a mixed bag on, on Election Day. I know we didn't get the red tsunami and all that good stuff, but there were a lot of good people that won, a lot of people that ran all over this country for city council, school board, state legislature, Congress, I mean, you name it. And we're going to do one interview with a, a local race, a pastor that won a school board race, and then we're going to do a winner of a congressional race, Juan Sescamani in Arizona, who's actually a Patriot Academy grad and, and someone we're super proud of. And he'll be a new freshman in the, the new Congress when it's uh, sworn in, in in January. And so we're going, to, we're going to do this because it's a good reminder to us that every vote counts um, and every election counts and that, that we stay involved no matter what. I mean, one, one thing that's so important to recognize is even if you don't get a red tsunami or not, you're still electing good people. Um, you're still making gains. You're still building the foundation. And we are far better off than we were a few weeks back. And we have to recognize that. These victories, uh, even if they weren't as many as what everybody wanted them to be, we don't get it all at once, right? It's incrementalism. Um, we should celebrate these victories. And also, I think uh, both of our interviews today are just going to be great examples of what we're looking for, what we want to see more of as we begin to encourage people to run for office in the next cycle. So I think you're going to enjoy both these interviews. Stay with us, folks. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on Wall This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. America is a special and unique nation. The average length for a constitution in other countries is only 17 years, but we've had ours for over two centuries. And our 4% of the world's population produces 24% of the world's gross domestic product. And every year we produce more inventions and technology than the other 96% of the world combined. In 1831, Alexis de Tocqueville of France came to America, traveled the country, and in his famous book, Democracy in America, reported the position of the Americans is therefore quite exceptional, and it may be believed that no democratic people will ever be placed in a similar one. This is the origin of the phrase American exceptionalism and affirms that America is unique because of the distinctive ideas on which we have been based, including inalienable rights, individualism, limited government, and the importance of religion and morality. For more information about American exceptionalism, go to wallbuilders.com. Welcome back to Wobblers Live. Thanks for staying with us, man. I am so excited to have Congressman-elect Juan Siscomani with us. Juan is a Patriot Academy grad, was governor of Patriot Academy, served on the board of Patriot Academy. He and Laura, both Patriot Academy grads, love their kids, love their family, and this is one of those seats that flipped from D to R. He was a big part of making it possible for the Republicans to take over in the House. So Juan Siscomani, thrilled to have you with us, man. Rick, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, and uh, thanks for all the support throughout the years. I appreciate it. Well, you're uh, you're a champ of the principles of liberty, biblical worldview, uh, God-fearing man, biblical, you know, a student, uh, you know, studied wall builders forever. So, I mean, you're the kind of guy we want to see more of in 
elected office at every level. And to have you now in Congress is just huge. I mean, this is a, a big, big deal. And I, I know, you know, big change for the Siskamani family. And, and uh, I know you're excited and uh, going to be going into your, your first session. But you were also one of the closest races in the country and didn't even know for what, a week after the election? Yeah, six days. The The race was finally called Monday night. And that night on Tuesday uh, was a rough night for us. It, uh, things didn't look great for our camp. But by morning on Wednesday, we were up, never lost a lead, but it got really close. And at the end, we ended up winning by a point and a half. So wow. really, every vote matters. No doubt, man. No doubt. And and for you as a as a freshman going in, um, you know, what does it look like? I mean, you've been in and around politics for years. You're a big part of Doug Ducey's team as, as governor there in Arizona did some amazing things there. You guys got a, a, a really the best school choice plan passed in, in the country, really in our nation's history and hopefully the model for other states as well. So you've already had a lot of experience in this arena. How different is it to go from state to federal and, frankly, to have to go all the way from Tucson, Arizona to the swamp in Washington, D.C. We want our listeners, you know, just bathing you guys in prayer and covering you in prayer uh, and your whole family. But tell us a little bit about how you see that shift from state to federal and just kind of what you expect in your in your first term. Well, I'll start with the last point that you made. Absolutely. The prayers uh, really is what is going to has gotten us through this campaign. It, it got us through that that long, long six days, that week that we that we had in between Election Day and when the race was called. And it's going to be what what sustains us. Honestly, that's uh, I'm a big believer in that. And and for all your listeners, I appreciate any prayers they can send our way. As you know, we have six kids, and yeah, you know, oldest third thirteen, and youngest is three. And uh, so they notice what's going on. And this was uh, this was a journey for them as well, and also a great victory. And in terms of the uh, the change, obviously there there are big differences between the the role of the state and the role of the federal government. And another another change is also going from the staff perspective as much as I was senior staff with the governor for almost eight years, switching over to being the elected is, is a transition. The, the way, obviously, you view things and as close as I was to the governor this whole time, you never really understand what it is to be elected until you're, you're in that position. Yeah. But, however, it really comes down to understanding the role of government. And uh, whether it's federal or state, you've got to realize that most things uh, the government should really just, you know, protect their liberties and, and let the private sector take care of, of the things they need to take care of. So I've always said that when bills come to my desk, we're, we're, the first question we have to ask is, is this the proper role of government? Can the private sector yes. solve this? Why, why does it need a government intervention? The more bills you pass, the more government you create. So you got to always remember that. Is it even the federal role? Maybe it's a state right issue more than if it is the role of government. You got to look at if it's a state or, or federal. Also, um, you know, what does this mean for the district, obviously? And then also, who's going to pay for it? That's a question I don't think gets asked, you know, right. in government overall. Who, where is the money going to come from? So in, in some ways, in a lot of ways, obviously, it's different. But the philosophy of the proper role of government, that applies to state and, and federal as well. Ah, so good, man. There's so, so few people in any level of government ask those key questions that, that you're asking. I love hearing that. You, you mentioned it, but let's go back to those six days, because this was a roller coaster for you and Lauren, the whole family. Um, you know, is so close, could have gone either way. You had to actually go to D.C. for orientation, not knowing if you had won. Walk us through that part and kind of, you know, how you and, and the family got through this pretty, I mean, highly emotional time. It, it was an emotional time because we, you expect that election day to go a certain way. And when it doesn't, it, it's um, like the old Mike Tyson quote, you know, everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. And then you <laughs> yeah. got you to kind of regroup and say, OK, where, where do we come from from this? What, 
what do we do and what do we make out of it and what lessons uh, should we learn? And and I, I got to tell you, in those six days, I, I grew a lot of spiritually and also mentally and and with the family as well. Those were some long six days. We were we never lost our lead, but it got really, really close. And in that time, you have to really take uh, steps of faith the, the whole time, even going to Washington because you get invited to go as, uh, as, an, as a member elect, but the race hasn't been called. So both both candidates or both members elect at that point get invited to go. And when the race gets called, one of them gets sent back home. So Wait, so you're is, both there. You're, yeah. you're, you and your opponent are both in D.C. as the new members of Congress for this seat, not knowing which one's going to actually be the new member of Congress not, yeah, not in knowing, just a few days. Not, not knowing. I mean, they got to they got to keep rolling with orientation. So you you got to you got to be there. We got to pay attention. You got to assume and have faith that you're going to you're going to be the one. And but it doesn't. Are, are you like way. are you like sitting next to each other? Or are you across the room <laughs> from each other? You know. Uh, they they do have some sessions with both Democrats and Republicans, but then the Republicans and Democrats break out and they do their own thing as well. But in this case, uh, I was uh, I didn't see her, so I, I don't think she actually went. Uh, that she took the the, the invite. Uh, I I don't know. I never confirmed, but uh, I never okay. saw her. Yeah, that would have been so weird if you it were like sitting right been, next I mean, to each other. <laughs> everything goes through your mind, right? How are you going to act and everything? Yeah. But, it but was, you knew at any minute you could get sent home, that they could call it the other way and basically say, OK, it was nice having you here for half an orientation. You're out of here. Yeah. And it's happened. Wow. It's happened before. I mean, any time it, it, uh, it's happened. Yeah. Last session, it happened to someone that got sent home, I think, towards the end of the week. So it's it's uh, it's a journey. It's it's a step yeah. of faith that you have to take. But as I told my kids, I said, this is this is what uh, pushes you through. This is what you do. And and I got to admit, when, when you're in that situation, you get, you know, a certain level of, of being nervous and throughout the whole election, you know, big debates or commercials or uh, polls that you're seeing or obviously election day. And I took my kids, all six of them, and I said, well, listen, guys, we're going to find out the final result when we're not together because I'll be in D.C. and you guys will be here. And we have to be ready to take the take the news which whichever way. But we have to know that however you feel right now is not, you know, nervous or whatever it is. And, and I do as well. It's not if we feel that way that we do things. It's really what we do when we feel that way, because we all feel a certain level of being nervous or even a little anxious about things in life. So this was a big lesson for our family of saying, hey, we we feel a certain way, but we got to push through it uh, by faith and also by conviction and, and that we did the right thing in this campaign and, and we finished strong. So that's what that's we did. Good. My God, I mean, the result came down in our favor there that Monday night and um I was able to focus a lot better Tuesday through Friday, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a great lesson, though, for your kids and, and, and for you, obviously, but I mean for the kids and, and just recognizing you don't, you don't make your decision based on how you're feeling, that it, you, you do it based on faith and the facts and the analysis and using, using your brain and not just your feelings. I mean, I just think that's a great, great lesson for you guys. What was the temperature like you know, in D.C.? I mean, new, uh, new majority Republicans, I guess at some point during that week, you, you, you know, the, the, the Republican Party knew that they were going to take the majority. So I'm assuming that was kind of a given and, uh, and probably exciting. I would think there was a, a good energy there for that. Yeah, a lot of good energy, a lot of good energy. There's a lot of optimism. A lot of the plans that we've been uh, making and, and set out by leadership, have, they're, they're really on the horizon to be executed. So that was, that was all good for us. When the majority was the, really the start of taking our country back, and yeah. it started with the House. We were hoping for the Senate as well. Didn't get it on this round, but, but we feel still very optimistic about 
uh, Georgia going well and also uh, taking taking back the Senate and the White House in 2024. But a lot of it is going to have to do with how the, how we do in the House. How do we perform? Do we fulfill the commitments? And, and I know that we're determined and convicted that we are going to do that. So we're going to we're going to set the example and want to hold the, this administration as accountable as the House can through oversight of the agencies and also having the power of the purse. Those are the main two things. And we're going to deliver with what yeah. we promised. And uh, the American people are going to see that. And, and we're hoping to go back and, and finish the job with the Senate and, and the White House in 24. Love it. Love it, man. Well, excited for you. I know it's been a long, what have you been at it, a year and a half, two years? How, when did you start campaigning? Yeah, well, I launched in early August. And, and obviously before then, you you know you know this, you start prepping, making phone calls. So really it's been um, almost about a 18, 20-month uh, journey. Uh, wow. this, this thing and of course the closer we got the more the more intense it got and, and the more time commitment but it's been a wonderful opportunity only here in this country rick i got to tell you I, I you know that i was born in mexico so with this election we became the the first immigrant in the history of arizona to win the congressional seat wow. and it's by by uh honestly only in this country we, we've always said only only here could um could a, a an immigrant come here. My dad has been a bus driver his whole life. And he told me, where else in the world could we have our story? Like We come to the mm. country, immerse in the culture, learn English. We become U.S. citizens. He said, I drive a bus my whole life. And now my son has a shot of becoming a member of the United States Congress. This is in the campaign. And he said, where else in the world? And I'm like, we're like nowhere. And, and now it happens. <laughs> wow. Now I am a member elect and I'll be the first immigrant member in Arizona's history to be a member um, here in Arizona for the U.S. Congress. And only this country would allow that, and, and only God can do that as well. So I'm, I'm humbled, and I'm ready to go to work. Oh, I love it. I love it. I saw one of your one of your posts. I can't remember where, what I, where I was looking, but it was you know basically saying started uh, you know uh, I can't remember if you're delivering or, or washing. I can't remember what you said you were doing, uh, working in a restaurant or something. And it was like you know you learned how to have work ethic and, uh, and humble beginnings, and you know you've applied that throughout your whole life to everything you did, did whether it was your education or the things that you did um, you know, prior to, to going into the government realm. It's just a great story, and like you said, only in America. And these are the kind of stories you know, that, that I think we need to be elevating uh, because people have they've lost faith in a lot of our institutions yeah. because of the, you know, the corruption, the people that take advantage of it and all of that. And so having people like you, like, you know, I was talking, I was uh, talking about Lauren Boebert's story the other day in her, in her book, starting at, you know, McDonald's at the, at the drive-thru and, and, and just are learning that work ethic and all of those things. I think that's the kind of people we need in Congress and need in Washington. So you're an inspiration, man, to so many of us. And I think it's going to give hope, hope to a lot of our listeners. Well, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. And, and, uh, you know, my story is just happened to be highlighted in this cycle, but there are so great stories out there. The, what you're referring to is that my dad and I used to wash cars uh, in the Foothills area in Tucson, which That's is a what nice it was. area. Yes. And, and now my office sits just a couple of blocks away from where I used to wash cars with my dad when I was a young kid. So it's, and again, you know, uh, I worked at Wendy's, so we say from Wendy's to Washington. That this is, <laughs> you know, it, there's, there's a, everybody has a car wash story, per se, or a Wendy's story, or a McDonald's story. So yes. A story that, you started somewhere and, and you went out and I mean, look at your own story. And the, the thing is that we just don't highlight it enough. You know, yes. we have this notion of we're going down the drain and everything's so bad. And there are definitely things to fix. But I'll tell you, I would rather be here than anywhere else in the world. And I'm going to fight to keep this country and the American dream alive. 
Amen. Amen. No doubt about it. Wendy's to Washington. You'll have to talk to Lauren and start the fast food coalition. They yeah. probably won't have that. In- <laughs> you know, I met her. But- I met her over in uh, at orientation. <laughs> we, we got to hang out with some of the existing members there for, for a bit. So I got to see a lot of people. Uh, well, I, I'm claiming both of you because she's a Constitutional Live grad and you're a Patriot Academy grad for everything we've we, we've done. And, and uh, uh, just cool, man. Just very, very cool. Now, of course, I know you're not going to do a fast food coalition because you're like in, in tip-top shape so you wouldn't be eating <laughs> yeah. fast food but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah tofu tofu coalition not, yeah. not. <laughs> that's great well god bless you man we're going to challenge all of our listeners to be praying for you and laura this this uh, throughout the throughout the transition part and throughout congress as well and uh, just Thank appreciate you. you taking time to come on with us man you got it man anytime thanks rick stay with us folks we'll be right back on wall builders live Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up, and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. In 1963, the United States Supreme Court decided that voluntary Bible reading could no longer be part of the school day. Founding Father Benjamin Rush, known as the father of public schools under the Constitution, pointedly warned that the Bible should be read in schools in preference to all other books. He specifically warned that if America ever ceased promoting biblical principles in schools, then we would waste so much time and money in punishing crimes and take so little pains to prevent them. He was right. We now have 7 million Americans in prison, on probation or on parole, and the United States has the highest incarceration rate in the world. Sadly, this was unnecessary, but is the result of no longer teaching the morals of the Bible in schools. For more information about the Founding Fathers' views on the positive impact of the Bible in schools, go to wallbuilders.com. Welcome back to Wall Builders Live. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, got one of our victories on the phone with us, a school board race up in Minnesota. Pastor Gus Booth. Uh, Pastor, thanks so much for coming on, brother. You're very welcome. Good to talk with you, Rick. I wish I was in Texas, but we got a blizzard going on up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's like 90 degrees here, bro. <laughs> oh, well, you got to rub but, it in, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I, I always rub it in. Yeah, man. No, listen, I, I think people might be saying, wait, Rick, you said uh, uh, won a school board race and pastor in the same sentence, uh, which I think is a fantastic thing. Um, how much of a hurdle was that for you when you decided to run and people said, oh, wait a minute, separation of church and state and all that good stuff? Well, I'm pretty politically active, so my congregation and the community almost expected it at some point in my life. So, but I'm an, I understand all of the, you know, the the wait a minute people in the evangelical world that say don't cross pollinate those issues. But I'm not one of those people. Love it, love it, love it, man. 
Well, I'm, I'm, we're all thrilled, of course, that you ran. And David said, "Man, we got to get Gus on and and uh, talk about his race." And and so tell us, tell us where you, what's the school district, and where, where in Minnesota are you? Okay, we're in War Road, Minnesota. That's six miles south of the Canadian border. I've got wow. Canadians in my congregation every week, just because we're so close to the to the border. But you know, that little blip on the top of Minnesota, that right where that goes north, that's where our community is. We are wow. we are up here. <laughs> So tell us about this uh, this school board now. Are you the first, you know, church going conservative to run? Is it is it? Are you going to be outnumbered, or did you no, have several people no, running with you? No, not at all. Like so, there was a school board member already attending our church, and she was like, "You got to run." And I'm like, "Well, if you can convince my wife to let me run, I'll do it." <laughs> and so she did, and I ran and and won. And and one of the cool things is another pastor in the community, his wife. Is also also ran and got elected, and we didn't even know each other were running. We didn't wow, like, no collaborate kidding. together, so we both got elected. And with the current school board member that is already on there, and then there's another one too. There will be four of the six that are Jesus following, Jesus loving, bona fide, born again, you know, Christians on that's the board. Great. So, oh man. That's fantastic. I, I mean, that's what we need more of. You know, that's salt and light. You're you're influencing the culture. You're influencing the neighborhoods. You're influencing the schools with with, with good common sense. You know, yeah. One <laughs> of the coolest things. You, I think your listeners will love this. So at the candidate, you know, symposium that we had the week before the election, I commented on how you know we really should be teaching the historical value of the Bible and public school and and. You know, just kind of that angle. I also said we should teach intelligent design right alongside, you know, the theory of evolution. And I was a little nervous saying that in my community because those aren't super popular topics for public schools. You know, but after that, one of the public school teachers came up to me whom I didn't know. And he said, I want to teach that class. You know, I want to teach the class about, you know, the Bible as a historical, valuable you know, piece of literature, you know, because you can't teach it as a worshipful book or a Right, right. But you can teach book. it as history and literature right. and all those things. Yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. And I thought to myself, what if I wouldn't have said that publicly? What if I would have just tried to do that kind of outside of, you know, the public's knowledge? You know, and it would have been so much harder. And it really taught me more and more that all we need to do as Christians is just stand up and preach biblical values. And sure, sometimes people are going to get in our face and call us haters or whatever. But you know what? Sometimes people are going to be appreciative. And now we've got a public school teacher willing to, you know, teach that class. That's awesome, man. That, you know, honestly, uh, even as just a history book, literature book, if we had that back in the classroom and folks, you know, kids being able to just read those stories and learn those. Uh, those basic values uh, and glean from it as they will, uh, just what a difference uh, our nation would be. Yeah, but most people don't think that you can even do that. And there's really, yeah. th- there's over 3,500 public schools in our nation that have done that. And, yeah. you know, World is going to be the next one. So I love it. I love it, man. Well, what, what would you say is your, uh, you know, y- your advice to people listening that might think, ah, eh, I'm not, you know, I don't know if I need to even pay attention to the local schools anymore, or I don't know if anybody from our church could get a You know, they, we always talk ourselves out of doing what right, needs to be done. Right. Well, that day is going to come. That day will come in, in America where nobody who loves Jesus is really going to be able to get elected and have people know that they love Jesus. But that day has not come in this community, and now I'm in a position with the other people on the board to be able to shape more and more minds to not be so quiet about what God wants us to shout from the rooftop. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I mean, to be silent now when we desperately need it and uh, and for people to realize they can make a difference, that, that, that it is, you know, it's not this other world of, of all the, you know, I used to think as a, you know, when I was young, it was, oh, yeah, I'm from the wrong side of the tracks. You got to be wealthy and you got to have all the right connections and all those things to make a difference. Uh, people need to realize they've got a voice and that voice needs to be heard. As you're saying, not be silent. Uh, they can make a difference. Amen. I am the most average of average men. I'm not overly smart. I'm not overly handsome. I'm not overly anything. Like <laughs> I am just so average. But what I am not average at is obeying my God. I am above average of that. And I want to continue to be that. And that's what he's after. He's after those of us that have just, you know, realized that there is a God and he loves us. He wants us to influence our culture to just stand up and do something about it. And some good stuff can happen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, God bless you. Thank you for running. Thank you for uh, for just you know being willing to invest that time and energy and focus and all of those things. And uh, looking forward to getting a good report from you. Amen. I look forward to giving one, my friend. Special thanks to both of our guests, Juan Siscomani, new member of Congress, and Gus Booth, new school board member up in Minnesota. You know, local is where the most uh, our lives are most affected. That, 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 those races are the ones that are going to impact your yard. They're going to impact your backyard. They're going to impact your children. They're going to impact your your business. All of these things the most. And so the local races we definitely want to pay attention to. We've always paid attention to here at Wall Builders and encouraged people to run. And and I cannot even tell you, I wish we uh, did a better job of, of keeping up with all of the people that have run for office, local, state, federal, you name it, from Wall Builders and from Patriot Academy and that got involved because of these things and, uh, and, and then won. I mean, we had a lot of people that ran that didn't win, but we had a whole lot of people that did win. And over the last few years, that's just been multiplied exponentially. Uh, the uh, the you know local races especially because we had you know we had races in 2021 is it, it you know the midterms of course in in even years in this case 2022 but in the in the off years there's also a lot of states that have still have their local elections and then some states that have their big elections like Virginia in in 2021 so we're always involved always paying attention we never get to just completely check out folks now, whether we have the big red tsunami or we're just making in- incremental gains we never get to check out we never get to say we're done. What we need to say is you're not done until you're six feet under. I mean, you're not done if you're above ground. You're not done if you've still got breath in you. And and every single one of us has something to offer and something that we can do to help preserve this nation. So I, I love having candidates on that win. I also like interviewing people that lose, that, that lost their race. I've lost and won. I promise you, I, I learned a lot more from the races I lost than the races that I won. And actually, probably 50-50. I probably lost as many races as I won Especially if you, well, I guess if you count primaries, maybe I won more than I, I lost. But at any rate, the point is, um, I want to say thank you to all of those candidates out there that are listening that ran for office and did not win. Thank you for stepping up. Thank you for giving of your time and energy and money. And every minute you spent on the campaign trail, you were winning hearts and minds. You were influencing hearts and minds. So even if you didn't win the election and you're not going to be serving like Congressman Siskamani and like our school board member now, Gus Booth, you, you still won in terms of impacting the culture, in terms of being a force multiplier. And that's what we're asking everyone to do. Not everyone run for office, but everyone become a force multiplier, become a constitution coach, become someone that, that shares these things and teaches these things and encourages others. And it begins in our homes, at our church, in our local communities. That's what we're asking everyone out there to do. Get involved. Make a difference. Special thanks to our guest today. Thank you for listening, though. You've been listening to Walmart. Stand undivided